The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is produced by uh, one of the co-founders of CryptoInsider.com. Produce, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. So um, I've looked through a bunch of articles on Crypto Insider. You guys have some pretty good content. You're there every day covering uh, everything that's going on in the crypto world. Um, but tell me, you know, there's... Uh, some other news outlets out there too as well, you know, Coindesk, Cointelegraph, etc. You guys seem to have a real great homegrown feel to your content. So how did you come up with this idea to do the, the news publication and, uh, you know, how is yours different from some of the other outlets? Yeah, so originally we were not necessarily like planning to create an outlet for, for news. It just came out of uh, our internal discussions that we were kind of tired of um, high ratio of like noise versus signal in, uh, in other outlets. So we wanted to have one that focuses on actual news, actual facts that are happening and uh, no, no speculative content, no FUD, no like. So, mm. and at the same time, we were working with a client and uh, they gave us a small marketing budget for, uh, for our tech consulting team. And uh, we realized that we didn't really need any marketing at that time. So we basically channeled that money to start a new company, Coinsider.com. And uh, that company essentially became the news outlet that you see now. Um, originally, like some of the, we got a lot of help from some of the uh, Bitcoin core contributors like Eric. Um, we got a lot of help from Suzanne from BitNation. So a lot of uh, the OG guys from Bitcoin world helped us um, launch this platform. That's great. So when you said um, some of the platforms may have a lot of noise in them, what do you mean? What kind of, um, do they have lots of press releases or is it just the quality of the articles? We find that originally, if we, if you remember like back in 2013, 2014, there was a lot of high quality articles being published by the news publication at the time. And uh, over time with all these like ICOs popping up left and right, all these uh, new altcoins, one thing we started to notice is that um, newspapers would basically, newspapers in crypto space would basically publish anything if you just uh, pay them money, right? So we, we didn't like that anymore because then like what happens is that you might see like 10 articles per day on a particular site and uh, like nine of them are just like paid advertisements and uh, the worst part is they don't even tell you that they got paid to write this so we figured that uh, we'll, we'll we'll create our own platform where we'll just focus on quality content and uh, we're not opposed to paying paid content but we'll we'll mark it as such we'll, we'll make it clear that this is paid content but even for those ones 
we'll do our due diligence and we'll make sure that uh, what they're saying is true. It's not like we won't just publish something because someone paid us to do it. And uh, we also wanted to Good. focus a lot more high quality info um, and uh, reach out directly to people who are working with Bitcoin Core in Ethereum and uh, some of the legitimate projects in crypto space and uh, just go straight to the source. So if you look at like some of our art early articles, you will see that people like Eric, people like Elaine, they are contributing to our uh, platform. So, so it was really good. I was, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, that's great. Um, what do you think is not being published nowadays? You know, I see, obviously I see in people listening, see what's being published, but what's missing, you think? And are you guys filling the gap or is there still voices in the community that just are not being heard? Absolutely, that's a great question. I think uh, one of the things we see in Bitcoin space right now is that uh, there is a hard mentality. So even with the uh, hard fork drama, as you can see, like there, there are different camps. So some people would not support a hard fork and some people would do. And uh, all these arguments on Twitter, on Reddit, they, they just like devolve into this like chaotic, like public insults even like people public faces that are throwing insults at each other so i think like i think there's like a space for more like rational arguments where someone can write like a coherent thoughts on why a hard fork is a good idea or a bad idea and uh write it mm. in a way that uh that actually is like logical there's no like emotions attached to it so so that's like one of the things we wanted to do um like insider we have published articles by legitimate entrepreneurs and the developers both that are some of them are pro hard fork some of them are, are anti hard but all of them make sense like they all have legitimate concerns and uh, we try to like stay neutral and uh, cover the point of view of everyone yeah that's that's good because of your perspective in seeing all these articles and talking to all these people i would think you see things very differently from just an individual that is interested in the space any surprises over the last six months or is every day a surprise? I mean, any news that you're seeing that you have a perspective on? Absolutely. Um, in crypto world, something new happens. And uh, I feel like each week in crypto world is like a year in uh, in, uh, in the real world in terms of the uh, development progress that happens in that uh, such a short span of time. I was, uh, pleasantly surprised by was the um, one was the miners turning on the uh, SegWit activation. That was that was something I was quite surprised by. by because like everyone kind of uh, thought that they were not going to do it because they waited until like the last minute before the uh, before for the user activated start for client to actually finally activate the segwit and uh, now we have it so so that was like i think that's that's a pretty big deal um now bitcoin is scalable up to billions of users we can we have lightning now um we are still you know like the bitcoin community is still working on the user interface and uh, user experience to make it accessible to everyone the wallets still need to update their codes we still have like a lot of work to do but at least like now it's technologically possible to have lightning on bitcoin network and uh scale this thing without increasing the uh, mining fees all the time so that's that's something i'm pretty excited about then i also see like a lot of challenges you know there is another potential hard fork coming up in november so we'll see like could potentially be like a similar drama as we saw before so there's there's always like uh, things happening in bitcoin space and uh yeah do you, do you think um segwit 2x is necessary for bitcoin to scale or it's just uh we don't really need it lightning enables the network to scale um i don't personally the thing is like i try to not like let my personal bias affect Crypto Insider, but uh, I'll just give you my personal opinion mm -hmm. here. Personally, sure. I think that uh, the timeline of SegWit activation, SegWit 2X activation doesn't make a lot of sense because it seems very rushed. And uh, I've talked to like a lot of core developers and uh, nobody 
seems to be supporting it. So, so I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. What's what's interesting about this this hard fork proposal is that uh, it's actually backed by a lot of serious investors in Bitcoin space. So obviously, like Barry uh, Barry Silbert uh, posed it in New York, and then it's also spearheaded by Eric Van Hoor and a lot of other prominent entrepreneurs and uh, investors are on board. So at the end of the day, the investors do have a huge say in which direction Bitcoin goes, whether the developers agree or not. So this is like the right. first time where we're seeing that there is like a huge shift of between the two camps, like the developers want one thing and a lot of prominent investors want something else. We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, I hope things work out well for all of us. But uh, what's interesting also is that the SIGWIT 2x won't have a replay attack protection. So that means it's going to be a very hostile hard fork. It's not going to be like Bcash. So in SIGWIT 2x hard fork, like if you send one transaction in one chain, you're going to have a similar transaction in the other chain as well. So a lot of people are potentially going to lose money if they don't know what they're doing or if they don't uh, right. protect their transactions. What do you think the uh, role of Bitcoin Cash is going to be going forward? You know, with or without SegWit 2x? Well, the thing about the blockchain is that uh, once it's out there, it's here to stay, right? As long as it's uh, listed on some exchanges, it'll continue to live on. I looked at the uh, hash rate distribution. It, you know, uh, if you look at the hash rate distribution, 90% of it comes from one unknown miner. So sure. we're not really sure what's going on there. Um, it seems like there is one company that's uh, dedicating all of their hash rate into this coin. And uh, so that means like they're accumulating this coin over time at a loss because Bitcoin Cash most of the time is not as profitable as mining Bitcoin. So one could argue that you could necessarily, you could just like mine Bitcoin and then use that money to buy Bitcoin cash. That would be more profitable than mining Bitcoin cash itself. So obviously like some miners are uh, dedicated to support this and uh, people like Roger Ver has publicly supported it. So as long as the big players are supporting it, it's here to stay. Whether you like it or not, it's kind of irrelevant. It's blockchain. So it gives people the freedom to yeah. do whatever they want. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And then a couple more news items I want to ask you about. So um, lately it looks like countries around the world you know, China, Russia, Israel, U.S., etc., are all waking up to ICOs and trying to impose uh, regulation. They're saying they're going to impose regulation on them. Um, any special perspective you have from the news you're seeing on ICOs in particular? I think most of us in this space has seen this coming for a while. Um, it was a matter of uh, when do the regulators wake up to this. It's not like whether, it's more like when. We saw SEC publish a very detailed report on their views on ICOs, so they're definitely... Um, watching this space very closely, uh, more closely than we thought probably. And uh, China is now officially um, banning the ICOs and even like asking the ICOs to return the uh, funds that they have raised, which is practically impossible to do because you don't really know who contributed how much or whether they still have the same wallet or not. So what China is asking, like, it's basically impossible to do. And uh, in reality, like, it's hard to stop ICOs. Elaine actually wrote a really recently um, 100 years of crypto anarchy. Um, I would encourage all the, uh, all the listeners to check it out at some point. But uh, I think, like, in practice, it's impossible to ban ICOs for the same reason you can't ban like dark nets and dark market because like as soon as you ban one someone else is going to do it if you start to go after individuals they will start to do it anonymously they will just like set up nodes behind Tor or like they use VPN so so you know it's uh, it's as long as there is no banking requirements people can anonymously raise ICOs so the regulators don't like it it's a huge challenge for the VCs and angels but uh, there is not much that we can do about it it is what it is it again it comes down to the whole whole blockchain 
technology is like it enables people the freedom to do what they want. Sometimes it's for good, sometimes it's for bad, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, do you think that um, ICOs will survive in their current form or they're going to end up being all regulated as securities? What would your guess be? I think it'll depend on the ICO. Um, there are different types of tokens. Some of these tokens are used more as a utility to perform a service. So, for example, there is the uh, Filecoin ICO that's happening. And uh, the, the whole idea is that um, you will get Filecoin as a reward for hosting files. So, so in this case, I'm not a lawyer, so I shouldn't make comments about security. But uh, I think I think like there is a HUI test that uh, a security has to platform um, to uh, to hmm. pass in order to be considered a security. So if it if it is like a speculative asset um, that's being sold as like some sort of investment, um, obviously it's a security. And uh, a lot of the tokens are like that. Um, even though they're not necessarily like shares or loans, but um, the way they're structured, like make them a security, whereas some other tokens are not security based on the definition of we test. So yeah, like I think like it's going to be like a case by case basis. The regulators will probably have to like evaluate with all these ICOs. Maybe they'll have to come up with new regulations on uh, how to regulate this thing. But I don't think like they'll declare every ICO as security. Uh, a lot of these ICOs are like Kickstarters. So you raise money, but um, you raise money in order to deliver a product. You're not necessarily like giving out a with the ownership loan or any other kind of security. So yeah, I think like some of the ICOs, um, some of the ICOs are obviously going to be in trouble, um, especially the ones that are obvious securities and uh, all the faces are known publicly. And uh, those who sold securities to the U.S. or to U.S. residents are probably going to be the first to get in trouble. I hope like I hope the SEC gives us some kind of like a timeline, like anyone who has done ICOs until this day are okay. And then going forward, these are the rules that new ICOs has to follow. I think that can work out for everyone. Mm. Um, this, is, this is a really interesting topic. I don't know if there's like a good or bad answer to any of this. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I don't think that countries will rush in and try to get rid of all of them, but I think it's definitely going to become regulated. And I don't know if they're going to go after the old school guys that raised money six months ago or a year ago or two years ago. I don't know. I think probably the most egregious of them, they consider they will and make examples of a few people. And I think going forward, it's going to be a lot harder to do them and you're going to have to register as a security or you know clearly not be one. I think just um, right. I think governments are flexing their muscles and in order for crypto to really scale that it's going to have to align itself at least somewhat with regulation. It's just, it can't away from government like people wanted Bitcoin to be originally, unfortunately. But I think it still can bring tremendous benefits. I think it's going to have to be a marriage, even a, an unhappy one, but that's, that's what I think. Right. Um, another interesting thing. Hey, Ferdos, uh, Ferdos you, you cut out for a second. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, some com some countries on a state level are now considering doing ICOs. Um, one of the recent examples that we saw is um, Estonia. The country of Estonia is uh, considering doing an ICO for their mm. digital residency program. Um, the details have not been published yet, but there is a lot of speculation going on online. Like one of those countries that are trying to encourage people to become e-residents. So they have banking portal, online banking, um, they have online incorporation of companies. So everything like you could anyone anywhere in the world could literally just go on Estonia government's website, um, become an e-resident, start a company, get banking and start operating regularly. So Estonia is like, so they are actually considering doing an ICO for the whole country to do this which is insane. So if they start that other similar smaller countries would probably like follow and uh, see it as a good opportunity to get financing. And uh, we could even see this happening in countries that are that are sanctioned and uh, they don't have like any other way of uh, collecting money. Who knows? Um, it's it's a very interesting times. I wonder, yeah, you you wonder if um, governments around the world are going to make their own, um, you know, cur uh, their own tokens for their own currency, you know, Russia with their own coin, the US, etc. And, and then will they 
I guess, quote unquote, need, you know, other uh, other blockchain tokens? And will they just try to regulate them out of existence and keep theirs? That's, that's definitely a big fear of mine. And I wonder if that's uh, that's how things may be moving. I hope not. That's, that's definitely a possibility. We have already seen some countries experimenting with their own blockchain tokens. I know that Canada did uh, had an e-mint program. They tried their own blockchain-based currency, but I think like the timing was a little off, like they're way, too, way ahead of time. So I think like we might see other countries start experimenting with this. I mean, like the concept of digital currency has been around for a long time. With the blockchain, um, it just makes things smoother, better, more transparent. So I think it's, it's natural that we'll see more and more countries trying to do that. But at the same time, I think I think there is still going to be a place, obviously, for uh, for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for for people who want to who are looking for an alternative, right? Like that's that's basically what what drew people to Bitcoin in the first place because they wanted an alternative to fiat currency. So um, even if even if governments start to issue their own currency, I think there will be still room for private decentralized currencies like Bitcoin. It will be just like one of the competing ones. I mean, another another angle too is that um, regulation may may be set to uh, strangle the quote unquote little guys. You know, so the large financial players can come in and take over. So I really hope that doesn't happen. You know, either them or governments. Uh, this was made by individuals that are really passionate about crypto, and I really hope it's not co-opted by uh, quote unquote the forces of evil. Again, large financial institutions, governments. That uh, I-, I hope they don't take it away and try to make it their ball game. Is what I'm saying. Right. Uh- Definitely, good point. Um, but at the same time, who really knows? Like, uh, we don't really know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, right? Um, I remember, like, back in the days, yeah. there was a lot of rumor that uh, maybe Bitcoin was invented by NSA. <laughs> so, so it's it's really hard to say. Uh, like, I know for a fact that a um, lot of people, a lot of serious people with a lot of talent, have dedicated their their whole life to Bitcoin. Basically, like they live and breathe Bitcoin. They they work for Bitcoin, um, and they're not gonna change. Like, you know, like no matter what you do, they're not gonna stop doing that. And uh, the way the Bitcoin ecosystem works right now is that uh, I find that if you try to strangle it gets better because it's uh, it's like anti-fragile right so it's like if you try to kill it mm. what happens is that uh, it gets better because like someone comes up with even better solution what was interesting recently is that uh, blockchain uh, blockstream for example recently launched uh, satellite nodes so so anyone in anywhere in the world without any internet access and just like buy like hundred dollars of equipments like dish antenna and some wiring and whatnot and uh, start sending and receiving Bitcoin transactions without any internet. So so we are seeing like with the technological progress um, with the some of the upcoming Bitcoin development proposals as well, such as like uh, the more anonymous the more anonymity such as Mimble, Wimble and a few other alternatives, it's going to be harder and harder to track down people who are using Bitcoin mm. just because like the tech keeps on getting better. And uh, even if there was a way to block off access to Bitcoin in some way that I can't even imagine, we'll find some other way. Like the satellite example is one and then there could be like mesh networks and whatnot. So like that's that's the beauty of uh, of this technology. It's like there is no like one server, there is no hundred server, there's like thousands of them and uh, if you try to kill them, yep. if you try to kill these thousand servers, then there will be like 10,000 more popping up. So, so it's, it's... Yeah, and with wallets, um, some of them contemplating using Tor to obfuscate where transactions are originating and, and terminating and tumble bit so you won't know uh, yep. which transaction comes from where and be mixed with others. I mean, there's a lot of technologies out there that are coming to the, the forefront. So yeah, it's a race definitely and I hope that, uh, like I said, all these networks maintain themselves but we'll see. So yeah, one question probably to laugh at but I, I just always have to ask, any insight that you have because you've talked to so many people about who Satoshi Nakamoto may be. It's probably forever going to be a mystery, but I always like to ask and see if anyone knows anything that other people don't know. Yeah, see, that's that's a good question. 
But at the same time, the way that I see it is Satoshi Nakamoto left back in, when was it, 2011? 2011. Yeah. So he basically like quit Bitcoin and uh, none of his coins that we know are his um, have been moved since then. So I have a feeling that he just left for good. Maybe like he lost his hard drive where the Bitcoins were or um, something happened to him. Maybe he's dead. Um, we don't really know. We'll never know. Yeah. And uh, recently I actually saw like a tweet somewhere. Um, someone posted this tweet and uh, it seemed like the name Satoshi Nakamoto was basically a combination of, of like the first few letters of other company names. So, so basically like there's like there is a poster where there's like a names of four companies so samsung toshiba nakamichi and motorola so if you take the first few letters of each of these company names like say yeah. sa from samsung toshi from toshiba naka from nakamichi and motor from motorola that's how you that's how you come to like satoshi nakamoto name so obviously most likely like using like a pseudo name um, that we all know. And uh, he started the Bitcoin and then he left. Um, he never spent all these coins. And uh, the thing is like Bitcoin is like not even the same thing as uh, what it was back in those days. There's been like so many changes. Like every every few weeks, there's like thousands of lines of codes that gets rewritten. So Bitcoin now is a completely different thing than what it was. Um, like, of course, like Satoshi had a road mapping plan. He wrote the white paper. Sure. He was a genius. He combined all these different technologies together. But I don't care who he is. I care about who the current Bitcoin core developers are like Peter Wiley, for example, he has done like so much more for Bitcoin in the last few years um, to make it what it is. And uh, all the other developers mm -hmm. too, like Greg Maxwell and uh, Adam Beck and the current team that's working are uh, really like some of the best cryptographers in the world. And uh, they have dedicated their life to this mission. So I care more about these guys than I care about Satoshi Nakamoto. I mean, like I'm thankful for Satoshi okay. Nakamoto, but at the same time, like none of the technologies that he had come up with Bitcoin was really like his. It was like a, like a whole bunch of other technologies. So, so it's interesting to, you know, to to dip into uh to dig into who he was um or why he mm. did what he did such as like creating these and then like disappearing without ever spending any money but um to me it's like it's not relevant i'd much rather like to work with the current team of developers and uh, see where this thing goes yeah last couple of questions um in regards to the core developers i don't really hear them comment very much they seem to be kind of insulated and attack and are attacked and it just it just seems very adversarial and I don't know if you talk to them very much or if you've been able to interview them but do they give interviews do they just kind of keep to themselves do they feel besieged by people I mean what What's your read on what's happening with them? We had a few articles written um, at Crypto Insider by core developers. Uh, one in particular mm -hmm. by Eric. That was really good. Lombroso. But um, yeah, Lombroso. So I I do interact with the core developers. Um, I do follow what's going on in because I'm also like very interested in the technology and uh, I understand Bitcoin. Well, maybe not to the same level as other developers do, but like you know, I consider myself pretty well versed in Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. What I the way I think of this is that this adversarial nature is what makes Bitcoin what it is because you kind of have to be thinking adversarially when it comes to building something like Bitcoin because you are thinking about what you do like the first thing you have to see is like how can this technology fail like not just like from technical perspective like from social and ethical and from every other person okay. it's that mindset that uh, that makes these developers insanely good at what they do but also um, a little difficult to interact socially because you know they come from this mind cypherpunk mindset I guess you know it's like you always have to be paranoid at your personal level as well I I think you have to be paranoid because you have to think of money and 
the government is after you and uh, the, so nobody is there to save you. So it's like, this is the kind of thought process, the cyber, cyberpunk thought process that makes you a really good developer, difficult to solely interact with. I don't know if it sense here. That's, that's my personal personal thought uh, based on my conversation. Many extremely smart um, developers in this space. Great. So what's your um, what's your guys' roadmap at Crypto Insider you know, over the next six months or a year? What Any new exciting stuff coming? Uh, any, dip, any developments? What you'd like to focus more on is cover the mortgage that's happening in Bitcoin space but for a wider audience. So like make these technical aspects of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies more accessible to our readers. If we can do that, then I'll be very happy with Crypto Insider. Then that'll mean that I, we have succeeded. That's, that's basically like our goal, yeah. eventual goal. Because we don't want to be like one of those media sources where you just go and read an article and feel good and that's it. We want to make Bitcoin technologies like Bitcoin accessible to a wider and general population. Very good. Um, any last advice for, for readers of your publication? Is there, um, should they just go to the website and start reading or are there um, things to read first? You know, what's the best way for them to start interacting with Crypto Insider? Do you have daily push updates? You know, what, what should they do? I think they should also subscribe to our Twitter where we tweet about the recent stuff that's happening. Um, there is also a newsletter that uh, they can sign up. And uh, lastly, like the most important thing is that um, don't trust anything. Always verify. No matter what you read, like no matter where you read it, always verify. Go to the source. That's, that's all I can say about Crypto Space in general. It's, you know, that's true. That's with any news, um, especially last year, you know, in the U.S. during the election with Trump and Hillary, I would read articles in the news. This is the mainstream news. And, and then I would look a little bit deeper and the situation sometimes would be completely different from what was said. And I felt bad because I would get all hyped up and mad about something. And then I'd look and see the real deal. And then I'd get mad again because I said, I'm a fool. I should have looked into this more. What you're saying is absolutely true in the real world, except in crypto world, not only will you be mad, you'll also lose a lot of money. So, <laughs> so, so the problem is like even bigger in crypto world. Like you, you don't want to like, you know, like you read about an ICO and don't go and invest all your money into that ICO. Or um, if you see Bitcoin price start going down, don't just like go and sell all your Bitcoins. Like think and, uh, you know, verify what's going on and uh, make the rational choice. Okay. Well, great advice. So yeah, I encourage listeners go to uh, cryptoinsider.com. I go there, I read the stuff and you guys have great articles and uh, produce. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. It was great talking to you. Yeah. The Bitcoin, Ethereum and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to bitcoinsuperconference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.